everyone. I'm Jennifer Braceres from Independent Women's Law Center. Today, we're talking about what is, in my view, the single most important issue of the day. Certainly, it's the only thing lawyers are talking about right now, and that's the battle for the Supreme Court. As everyone knows, the president on Saturday nominated federal appeals court judge Amy Coney Barrett to fill the Supreme Court vacancy created by the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Not surprisingly, before the president even named Barrett, progressives were gearing up to smear the eventual nominee. No surprise there. Anyone who followed the Bork, Thomas, or Kavanaugh hearings knows that this is their standard operating procedure. Here to break down the Barrett nomination and all of its implications is Mike Davis, founder and president of the Article Three Project, otherwise known as AP3, and the former chief nominations counsel for Senator Chuck Grassley. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for joining us on She Thinks. Thank you for having me. No problem. Um, so you and I, and perhaps most of the people listening to this podcast, are already pretty familiar with Judge Barrett's sterling credentials. Um, first in her class at Notre Dame, two prestigious clerkships, a lawyer at one of the country's top firms, a much-loved and respected scholar and teacher at Notre Dame and federal appeals court judge. Um, there's no question that she is qualified for this appointment. The Republicans control the White House and the Senate. Why isn't that the end of the inquiry? Well, it should be. And uh, there is uh, uh, no doubt in my mind that President Trump, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham and the Senate Republicans will get uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett confirmed uh, by the end of no, uh, by the end of October. I think the issue is going to be the uh, scorched earth tactics of the left. Um, you have Democrat operatives out there already attacking uh, Judge Barrett and her family. They're attacking Judge Barrett and her husband. Uh, have seven children five biological children, including one with Down syndrome and two kids adopted from Haiti. You have top Democrat operatives out there on Twitter uh, attacking uh, Judge Barrett and her husband for uh, being racist because they adopted two Haitian children. You have, um, you have, it's so ridiculous. And then you have other operatives like Eli Mistel just uh, tweeted today that we need that, that the Democrats need to do anything they can, anything they can, fair or unfair, to delay this confirmation beyond the election, so they can claim that this confirmation is illegitimate, and then they can turn around and pack the Supreme Court if if uh, if there's a President Biden and a Vice President Harris. That is a radical plan to add new justices to the Supreme Court from nine to eleven or more. We have not changed the number of justices on the Supreme Court nine since 1869, more than 150 years ago, right after the Civil War. The late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg made the unusual move of coming out and publicly denouncing this radical scheme. It was too radical yeah, even for it, uh, the, the lioness of the left, the, one of the most liberal justices on the Supreme Court. Uh, th this is what the Democrats are going to do if... Biden is elected president, and they win back the Senate, right. and those two things me, will go hand in hand. Let me ask you a little bit about court packing. Um, I've done some work on this myself, and I obviously, you know, stand where you stand on the issue, which is against. Um, but, you know, a lot of people say, well, look, you know, it's, it's up to the Congress 
to decide how many justices are on the Supreme Court. That number's not in the Constitution. And they make the argument um, that the president is packing the courts now, that he's been ramming through all these lower court nominations. By ramming through this nomination now, right before a presidential election, he is essentially packing the court. Explain to our listeners why that's not the same thing and why that argument doesn't fly. Uh, it is a preposterous argument. There is a difference between doing your job well, which is what President Trump and uh, the Senate Republicans have done for the last nearly four years and prioritizing and filling existing vacancies on the Supreme Court versus a radical plan to add new justices. Again, it hasn't been done for over 150 years. There, And as to the second point about ramming through judges and justices. They have followed the Senate rules and the Senate procedures. I was the chief counsel for nominations last Congress to then Chairman Chuck Grassley on the Senate Judiciary Committee. I ran this process last, last Congress, and we followed all the Senate rules, all the Senate procedures. We followed the historical norms. It's just President Trump prioritized judges. And the problem was is that the, uh, the Obama-Biden administration was just bad at it. They did not prioritize judges like they should have. And so uh, President Trump inherited a bunch of uh, a bunch of vacancies. As for uh, Judge Barrett's confirmation, now there is plenty of time and plenty of historical precedent to get this done. There have been 29 Supreme Court nominees in a presidential yeah. election year, and 90 percent. This is the 90 percent 90 percent rule. 90 percent of the time, when the president and the Senate are of the same party, the nominee gets confirmed. 90 percent of the time, when the president and the Senate are of different parties, the nominee does not get confirmed. It's how elections have consequences. The president said this at the debate last night. He is the president for the full four years of his presidency. And does anyone in their right mind think that the Democrats would not fill this vacancy if they were in the same place as uh, uh, President Trump and Senate Republicans? No, of course they would. And indeed, uh, you know, President Obama did just that when he had an opportunity to appoint somebody to replace Justice Scalia during an election year, he filled the seat. And frankly, I didn't object to that at the time. That was his constitutional prerogative. Uh, it was the Senate's constitutional prerogative to decide what they wanted to do with that nomination, vote up, vote down, or hold it. Um, all of those choices are legitimate and within you know, the, the rules and within the norms of how it's supposed to work. Um, so this is, this is really no different than that. Um, but, of course, you hear all the time, you know, on, on mainstream media, people talk about how Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell are hypocrites because they said you couldn't do this in an election year, um, and they're just eating their words. I want to ask you, why didn't they say at the time, because I think they had every right to hold the Garland nomination, but why didn't they simply say, we have the votes to hold it, so we're going to hold it? Why did they make a big hoopla about the election, which I understand what you're saying, that, that it, you know, it's a little bit different now because the, the White House and Senate are controlled by the same party, and you can make all those arguments. But just knowing that somebody with a microphone and a tape recorder was going to try to twist that framing, that messaging, and, and bring it back to haunt them, why didn't they just say, you know what, exercising political power is the way, that's the way it works. There's nothing illegitimate about that. Well, it, it's again, they're following the 90% rule. The 90% rule would, would say that you wouldn't 
you wouldn't move forward with Judge Garland's nomination because 90% of the time they wouldn't because it's opposite party. This time, 90% of the time you would because they're the same party. And I would say that Democrats who are crying about norms, crying about that, you know, traditions and norms and broken glass, that's very rich considering that they nuked the legislative filibuster, or the, excuse me, the filibuster in 2013 to stack the D.C. circuit with Obama appointed liberals, meaning they lowered the vote threshold from 60 to right. 51. They went after Clarence Thomas. They went after Judge uh, Judge Bork. They accused uh, Justice Kavanaugh of serial gang rape this last time, and now they are threatening. And they, they this was long before uh, Justice Ginsburg passed away in the 2020. Democrat platform, they have explicitly in their platform that they're going to do court packing. It's they call it right. they call it court restructuring, which is swamp speak for court packing. Joe Biden last night at the debate said that it is his platform, it's his policies, it, it's his party. He's he is advocating for this. He is advocating for court packing. So they are going they are going to pack the Supreme Court if Joe Biden wins the presidency. And now they're going to complain about norms. Remember Joe Biden. Chuck Schumer and many leading Democrats back in 2016 said it was the president's constitutional duty to nominate someone and the Senate's constitutional duty to consider that nominee. So if it's your constitutional duty four years ago, there's not a Trump derangement syndrome clause in the Constitution. It's still that same constitutional duty now. And indeed, uh, you know, this wasn't, I mean, court packing wasn't the only thing that Ruth Bader Ginsburg spoke out against. She also spoke out uh, at the time uh, when Merrick Garland was appointed. She spoke out saying that that the president was elected for four years and that the president has every right to appoint up until the time he leaves office. She said that pretty clearly. Shouldn't we honor her wishes? Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I, I think... It's very clear that that Vice President Biden, Senator Chuck Schumer, many Democrats now who can defend their words are very clearly on the record saying that they should move forward with a Supreme Court nomination, even in a presidential election year. And it's happened. There have been 29 Supreme Court nominations in presidential election years in the past. This is far from unprecedented. Right. And the, the, the Democrats are just worried about this. President Trump is going to transform the five to four John Roberts court to the six to three Clarence Thomas court. And that terrifies them. Right. And so they're, they're not willing to make their arguments on the merits. They, you know, their, their MO is that they try to dig up dirt on people. We, we saw that with judge Bork. We saw it with Clarence Thomas. We saw it with, with uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Um, and as you pointed out, we're already seeing some pretty ugly things about Judge Barrett. Do you think it'll work? No, it's going to backfire spectacularly, just like it did uh, three years ago when the Democrats attacked Judge Barrett for her Catholic faith. They had, they had I was there, I was the staff leader at the time, and I was stunned. We had uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, the top Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, questioning Judge Amy Coney Barrett, a practicing Catholic, a Notre Dame law professor, a mother of seven, asking her, uh, Senator Feinstein said, the dogma lives loudly within you, and that's of concern to me. Uh, We had Dick Dick Durbin, the number two Democrat in the Senate, who also sits on the Judiciary Committee, uh, asked Judge Barrett whether she was Orthodox Catholic. 
whatever the hell that means. And yeah, whatever that you, means. And you look at you look at uh, Senator Maisie Hirono. You look at uh, Senator Kamala Harris, uh, the vice presidential uh, candidate, the most junior member on the Judiciary Committee, comes in for Judge uh, Busher in Nebraska, and both Maisie Hirono and Kamala Harris are grilling Judge Busher a federal judicial nominee from Nebraska, now a judge, about his membership in the Knights of Columbus, which is a Catholic men's charity organization. You know, apparently they think that, you know, that, that the, the, the Antifa terrorists are good and they want to bail them out of jail, but Knights of Columbus, uh, dads who give to charity are, uh, you know, bad people who are, who are suspect or, or even worse. I mean, it's just the anti-Catholic bigotry um, the explicit bigotry or the, the, you know, the dog whistles that we hear mm-hmm. from the left are only going to, I think. I wouldn't be so nice Democrats, as to call them dog whistles. I think it's pretty explicit. Yeah, there's, there's definitely the outright bigotry. I think they're going to go from the outright bigotry from last time because they, they, they backfired so badly on them when even the Washington Post and other liberal rags are putting out editorials condemning them for this. So this time, I think what they're going to, the senators are going to do is they're going to they're going to shy away from the anti-Catholic bigotry, the outright bigotry, other than maybe Macy Hirono, the the dumbest senator ever elected. She might do it again, or at least she says that these questions are still fair game. But I I think that most Democrats will do the dog whistles now and let their outside groups their their outside groups do the explicit anti-Catholic bigotry, and you're going to mm-hmm. see it badly with Judge. But they're already starting to do it. They're already starting to. Rifle through her church bulletins and look at the, at the religious right. groups that that she belongs to. It's disgusting. We have Article Six of the Constitution is very clear. You cannot have a religious test for officers of the United States, and these senators violate their constitutional duties. They violate their oaths when they start grilling Supreme Court nominees or any nominee about their faith. And think about this: Do you think that they would ever question? a Muslim nominee about their faith and, you know, the, the details of their faith. Heck no, they wouldn't. And they shouldn't. And so why are they doing it to Catholics? Yeah, no, they certainly shouldn't. Let's talk a minute. Um, you mentioned Senator Harris and her role on the Judiciary Committee last time in the last Senate. Um, of course, she's now the vice presidential nominee. What kind of theatrics would we expect to see from her? I mean, I can only imagine she's going to try to dominate the entire proceeding and use it as an advertisement for the, the quote-unquote Harris administration, as she's been known to call it. Well, I welcome that. I, I was just on Martha McCallum's show last night on Fox, and we talked about this very issue. Uh, Kamala Harris is, the, is a gift to Republicans and conservatives. We Anytime that she gets involved on these Supreme... First of all, she doesn't show up to war. Go look at her attendance record. She has terrific <laughs> attendance because she's been, she's been running for president since about day one that she walked in the door of the Senate. Um, so, you know, I'm surprised that she can even find the, the committee hearing room, but to the extent that she does find it, I mean, she's, she's amazing for us when she shows up. Remember at the first Kavanaugh hearing before Michael Avenatti's serial gang rape allegations, uh, Kamala Harris interrupted Chairman Chuck Grassley, my former boss, within eight seconds of the opening of his remarks. Eight seconds. Like, he's the nicest He's probably the he's he is the nicest man in the Senate, and I think Democrats and Republicans would agree with that. She's interrupting him with eight, within eight seconds with wild screaming and ranting and raving about documents, and then right. she continued during that hearing. She grilled then Judge Kavanaugh about 
you know, Russia collusion garbage, asking him if he was colluding with some New Jersey lawyer at some New Jersey law firm about the Mueller probe, just utter baseless nonsense. And then again, like I said, she attacked the uh, Judge Busher from Nebraska on his involvement with DASP, the Knights of Columbus, you know, that that domestic terrorist organization that that, that, that takes that that those Catholic men who give gifts to children and, you know, provide mentorship and they give out love to people at who the do, end of mass. Yeah. Yeah. Who, you know, they give, they, 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 they are generous with people who need the generosity and that, that is suspect in Kamala Harris's eyes. So I hope she shows up. I hope they make her front and center. I don't know who would be a bigger asset to conservatives, AOC or Kamala Harris. I, I'm still trying to decide. Okay. Well, I, one thing I think is interesting is I know you've talked about how this issue, the issue of the Supreme Court, but judicial nominations generally, um, has helped conservatives in the past, has helped the Republican Party in the past. It certainly helped in the 2018 midterm election um, after Kavanaugh. But I saw a poll that just came out the other day that showed that the majority of Americans this time around think that uh, – that we should wait until after the election to fill the seat. What do you make of that? Because usually the polls don't, usually the polls favor Republicans on nominations. So then candidate Donald Trump won an upset victory in 2016 in large part over a Supreme court fight. In that case, it was the vacancy created by the passing of the late great justice Scalia in 2018, when it should have been a great year for Democrats, the Democrats won the house of representatives, the Senate Republicans had four incumbents booted out of office by their voters over a Supreme court fight. In that case, it was justice Kavanaugh's confirmation. Um, so I welcome a Supreme Court fight over this election. I think it should okay, be Okay, but how, how do you explain Senate- this poll? This is a Monmouth poll from September 28th that, uh, that found 51% of voters disapprove of efforts to fill the seat before November 3rd, and 53% say the Senate should hold off on confirmation hearings until after the election. What do you, yeah, I mean, that's a poll. That? That's a poll be- that's a poll largely before you have a, a nominee out there. That's an abstract poll. And if you have a nominee out there like Judge Amy Coney Barrett, this 48-year-old, very accomplished judge on the Seventh Circuit, the ABA last, last time, the Liberal American Bar Association last time said that she was well-qualified to serve, which the Democrats pretend is their gold standard, or at least they claim is their gold standard. Uh, you, she's been a Notre Dame law professor for 18 years. We talked about her credentials at the beginning. She clerked for the, the late great Justice Scalia, who schooled her in the judicial philosophies of textualism and originalism. And originalism. She's going to be a very popular nominee. People are going to like her. They're going to like the fact that think, she is an everyday American. You think it's just American. a matter of, of people getting to know her, that in theory they might oppose the idea, but once they get to know Judge Barrett, um, you know, they'll see that she's so eminently qualified. How could how could the Senate not confirm her? I mean, I hope I hope that's what happens. Correct. But. Correct. And frankly, you have to look at the, the races where it matters, the states where it matters, the swing states. This, this nomination is going to play very well for conservatives in swing states, places yeah, like my home state gonna, of Iowa. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to ask you next. I was going to um, wanted to talk to you about certain races where Republicans are vulnerable, and I know you're not a political organization, but I'd just be interested in your view, having worked in the Senate, um, Joni Ernst, Martha McSally, Susan Collins, three important Republican 
women in the Senate, um, important voices for the rule of law. You think this nomination will help them? I know they're all in tight races. Yeah, I mean, I think this nomination definitely helps Joni Ernst in Iowa, my home state. We even saw last time during the Kavanaugh fight that there was a Kavanaugh effect that helps Kim Reynolds, our governor in Iowa, uh, uh, help put her over the top against uh, the, the very well-funded, very wealthy challenger uh, for, for that race. And so Kim Reynolds was able to win election over this. I think it's going to help uh, Joni Ernst a lot. Joni Ernst is a star. This is going to excite conservatives all over the state of Iowa. And she's, what's great about Judge Barrett is that she will excite conservatives, but she's not going to scare off independents. She'll, she'll actually win over independents and win over some right-thinking Democrats who weren't insane and not tearing down statues right now. So the ones, the Democrats who weren't breaking windows and tearing down statues should, should generally like what they see with Judge Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, Tom Tillis in North Carolina, this is going to help him, him down there. Um, Senator David Perdue, um, uh, you know, the, 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 there's a Montana race uh, with uh, Senator Steve Daines. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be, this is going to be a, this is, what's great about Supreme Court nominations is it unifies and focuses conservatives on what really matters. And the Supreme mm-hmm. Court is the most important thing that we do. Everything else right now is just noise. And so conservatives who may be leery about President Trump and and I love President Trump, but there are a lot of, you know, uh, you know, country club Republican types who may not like his, um, you know, may not like his style. They may just say, you know what, it's, this is too important. We're not going to let Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Chuck Schumer pack the Supreme Court with left wing radicals. Right. Look, I hear you. I mean, I, you know, I went to college, a, a conservative Democrat um, who didn't particularly care much about politics essentially became a Republican over what happened to Judge Bork. I was so enraged by it. Um, I'm now an independent because I live in a state where it's advantageous to be an independent because they've opened primaries, and sometimes it's just as important who you vote against as who you vote for in primaries. Um, And, you know, frankly, I didn't vote for Donald Trump last time. I wrote someone in, a conservative, because I, I wasn't pleased with the president's character and and other such things but i can tell you that i have a lot of never trump conservative friends um like me who who this is the most important issue to them um so it'll be interesting to see how it plays in in november i think you're right i think it's going to help the president um but we'll have you back hopefully after november and we'll see if your prediction was right hopefully there will be a new supreme court justice justice barrett on the United States Supreme Court at that time. Um, I guess that's all the time we have for now, but thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this nomination. Thank you very much, and your, your listeners can go to article3project.org, article3project.org. Yes, definitely. And uh, after you've checked out Mike's work over there on the article3project.org website, please check out the work of the Independent Women's Law Center at IWF. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, you're in control. I think, you think, she thinks. 